Hey everyone, welcome to Hashtag Enlightened Bitches. I'm Julia. And I'm Claire. This podcast follows the lives of two women who have formed an uncommon bond through parenting, recovery, womanhood, and fierce personal growth. We are on the never-ending search for enlightenment, but we're taking our attitude problems with us. Good evening. Welcome to another episode of Hashtag Enlightened Bitches. Today we have a super exciting episode, not just because of the topic, but because we have a guest with us. Her name is her name is Susan Rue. <laughs> and she is another enlightened bitch. Um, she gave me a card today that says your vibe attracts your tribe, and holy did I want her to show up. Aww. So there we are. Yeah. Um tonight, Claire, do you want to introduce yourself first? Sure. Not do you want do you do you want to or do you need to? But will you? Oh, <laughs> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> uh, my name's Claire, and I am a uh, mental health addictions uh, worker or nurse in our in my community. And you have a n- number of other accomplishments that I love to list off for you. Oh my god, she just likes to go into the details. <sighs> I um... it's just because I'm in love with you. Oh, 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 it's endless. You can get all the fucking boyfriends you want, but. <laughs> I'm just, I'm still here. You moved me in and now you can't get rid of me. So you keep telling me. <laughs> I don't know. I'm getting ready, you though, for like one weekend. Yeah, but like not permanently. No. Okay. No. Do, do I need to have you sign a contract that I'm allowed back? In? You're not changing the locks, are you? No. No. What, didn't, don't you remember how I asked you? I don't want you to leave forever. I just need a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> to yourself in the apartment so you can like look around the apartment and see that no one's here right because it feels really fucking good sometimes yeah. It? yeah i get that a lot now <laughs> you know that you have two homes <laughs> yeah um my name is julia i am a i own pretty aggressive recovery coaching pretty aggressive industries i'm a certified personal trainer certified transformation coach and i am now a newly certified nutrition coach i am also the author of uh, Beyond Damage and the new workbook that is Parenting Beyond Your Damage. Both can be find found on Amazon.com.ca and all the other Amazons. And Claire is fucking, I'm going to put the bowl down. Claire's eating chips while we're on mic. That's not a thing. <laughs> That's not a fucking thing. <laughs> and I would like to humbly introduce our special guest tonight. Her name is Suzanne Hedges. Please let us know who you are and what you do and a little bit of your background. Okay, well, I've been here for all but 40 minutes, and I feel even more enlightened being in the company (laughs) of these lovely enlightened bitches. And to be called one myself, I'm super honored. Um, Yeah, my name's Suzanne. Um, I also go by Suzuru, Susie, Suzy Q, all the things. People sing CCR to me all the time. Um, And what am I? Well, uh, during COVID, I I was a director of sales at a resort. Um, I lost my job and was pushed into something that made me so much more of who I am. I'm a resiliency advisor um, for an organization where Which we is a live. Boss title. Well, resiliency and, 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 and dude, here's the thing. <laughs> so my um, therapist, before I was like kind of going through that wobble of like I didn't know like where I was going, like my job like was just a job, and like where's my purpose? Like my purpose is so much more than this. And we talked about resiliency, and it was like resiliency, <laughs> zenny. And then I became Suzanne because I was focusing on resilience. So then, like all of a sudden, it was just like the universe opened up and it just gave me 
the title of resiliency advisor. And like, what does that mean to me? It's being able to take what's thrown at us and just turn it into um, adaptation and transformation. So here I am sitting with like this world-class transformation coach and I like every day is a transformation. So yeah, enough of me. Thank you so much for having me. We're, well, we're going to get a lot more of you because we fucking yeah. deep on this shit. Yeah. Like, there, there's, there's, there's no like boundaries on the sharesies. Uh, okay. Well, one thing I can't do is surface dwell. Like we go oh, yeah. in the depths. Oh, yeah. 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 What, what's swimming on the surface, man? Don't we dive deep? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm either drowning or I'm digging for treasure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I'm either doing one or the other. Oh. And then some days I'm fucking walking on water and Jesus mm-hmm. is having a hard time catching me. <laughs> I'm fucking guy walks. I'm a sprinter. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Jesus is like, my robe got trapped around my legs. I'm like, put on shorts, fucker. <laughs> instructions from here left foot then right foot claire i'm closer to your daddy than you are (laughs) (laughs) fucking summit the mountain idiot (laughs) okay all right tonight's topic um we are going over wants versus needs because there's a giant fucking difference and if there is babe <laughs> oh man, you guys are full of the wine and I'm teetotaling. It's gonna be a good one. It's gonna be a good one. We're spilling the tea though. Like this is good shit. Oh fuck yeah. yeah. So who do we what let's argue. Let's discuss. Let's mm. discuss. Mm-hmm. What is the difference between a want and a need? First in general. So not adult versus kid, but just in general. Do right. what are human mm. wants and what are human needs? Let's unpack it. Yeah. Sure. All right. Who wants to start? Uh, I was reading a book to my child, and it says that human needs are warmth, food, and there's another one, air. I was going to say, like, mm. Maslow. Whenever I think of needs, I think of Maslow's hierarchy. And what is that? So uh, talk to like, us about that. So Maslow's hierarchy is food and shelter, the mm. biggest component. It's like a triangle, food, shelter. Yeah. Um, now I should look it up, but it, it was like psychology 101, which was, I think X amount of years ago, really, really long time ago yeah. that I took it. But yeah, so basically it's the principle that a lot of things in my mental health world gets argued on. If we house people, they'll get better because mm. it's a basic need. Right. So meeting someone's basic need, then they can focus mm. on other things. Right. Mm. So, um, and mm. what about things like social needs? Like, does that come up? Have either mm. of you gone yeah. through either training or courses that talk about people's social yeah. needs. Well, yeah. it's a big part of mental health. It's psychosocial rehabilitation. So right. social mm-hmm. is a key part of that word. So yeah, social mm-hmm. is a need. So what are what are some of them? Well, you know what? I just totally simplified this when I knew it was going to be our topic tonight. It's like a want is just like it's a desire. And I think that that whole like need is like it comes from necessity and it comes from survival. And that's a mode that I can speak from is that survival mode and what we think we need. Um, we so very we try and interchange those wants and needs and it's just it's false. Like it's it's just I think that there's so much more um, to dig into in mm-hmm. in that difference 
in the, I, in the dichotomy. I've, I've found through experience that a lot of the times when we're dealing with an abuser or we're dealing with in a situation where someone is like, they don't understand love or their needs aren't being met, that they um, degrade our needs, especially our emotional, spiritual and yeah. psychosocial needs yeah. by calling them a want. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. I'm like saying I need love or I need affection mm -hmm. or I need approval or I need validation. Mm -hmm. But those have actually been proven through psychology that those are need, mm -hmm. like human needs yeah. to feel validated, to feel part of a tribe, to feel mm -hmm. included, to feel um, admiration to feel mm -hmm. like we are like we provide a service or have a purpose mm -hmm. and those things are actually included in needs even mm -hmm. though people want to give it the basics of like it like shelter clothes food mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. air like yeah. warmth whatever yeah. mm -hmm. that yeah. um the human the human dynamic the human ecosystem as like a yeah. single mm -hmm. person individual's ecosystem yeah. requires a lot more mm -hmm. than just shelter food warmth and an heir oh gee mm. gee bitch you figured it out so that's why the the housing model doesn't work oh. <laughs> damn it i'm so shocked by that i thought we just shoved everyone in houses and then they'd be fine right they'd like figure their shit out oh so they met their basic needs separate houses where they're not allowed to have contact with each other and they have mm. no access to food no, that doesn't i'm pretty sure they're still going to survive that way right <laughs> They're gonna be just fine. No, no, but what? But but if we go by that principle, we provide everyone with houses, everyone with food, and everyone with clothes. Then you know they should just be fine, right? They should figure the rest of it out. Okay, but what does fine mm. stand for? That F I N E or whatever. Well, no, that doesn't even matter. Okay, so they should be just they should stop using drugs. They should episode? they should stop having <laughs> mental health problems. Like. That, mm. like you know they shouldn't have depression or anxiety or anything it should be good right like we should just be able to find if we like if we have all of those things fuck man anyways um yeah wants versus needs wait right, so they're deeper. my oh wait my I, issue want, is the no, people... no, no, no. Mm. I have one more comment to make um it goes on your principle of when you grow up with an abuser yeah. mine's the other opposite way if you grow up with someone that neglects you in a roundabout way mine was an emotional give take because of yeah. i had an alcoholic but if you grow up with that, you grow up with not knowing what your needs are. Yeah. So you grow up in the mm -hmm. opposite. So where you yeah. were like, I have these needs and you're not meeting them and they're they're great degrading them. You're like, I don't even know if I have a need. Like, I don't know what my needs are or, right. you know, like, so you don't even have an arguing point because there's no degrading. They're like, not there. Well, <laughs> like my scenario was being... Uh, told that I was crazy. Yeah. So I was raised by a malignant narcissist and a gaslighter where it was explained to me that what I was expressing as needs was untrue, that I mm. that I didn't know what I was talking about, that um right. or that they were being met and I just wasn't receiving it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm like <laughs> Do you uh yeah. do you wanna express Suze, do you wanna share a little bit of your yeah, being when, raised damage? One hand OP I do. Um, <laughs> yeah, my whole like my um in my home of origin, like there was an individual like my stepdad but he doesn't get the title of my stepdad his name is just mike okay. <laughs> yeah and i'll get off the mic on talking about mike um pretty quick here <laughs> but my pattern really like started early and i ended up in like a 20-year partnership with a narcissist that was very like you know what's wrong with you like my my feelings my needs weren't met like my feels i couldn't feel my feels i had to just like be, go into survival mode for everything right. like nothing was validated so I would get my needs fulfilled elsewhere. Like I think a need is fulfillment. And so if we're not being felt like in our home and yeah. who we're with, we will go and find that. No, I didn't cheat on him. I fucking wish I should have. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a disaster.
desire at once upon a time. Um, but like, I think that there is just so much. Um, yeah, I think the social side of it is a uh, very, very, very deep. Yeah. And if we don't fix what happened in our childhood and our home of origin, we will carry that yeah. for a very long time. Yeah. And it will just keep playing over and over and over yeah. fuck she doesn't even need like a like cliff notes on like how to show up yeah right like, oh, just, like, just like, like our like, blueprint the yeah. idea that once it's blueprinted yeah. we could we're, we're the only one that gets to change our own blueprint yeah of mm-hmm. our of our life mm-hmm. so um yeah. being that our family of origin doesn't have mm-hmm. to be our only story and it, yeah. can, it can be our base yeah it can be our yeah. starting point but yeah. but the point mm-hmm. that each of us have just created is that that early um, expression and response to mm-hmm. our needs mm-hmm. um, one can be mutated right. um, and two becomes a pattern that we carry through mm-hmm. so if we're not taught at an early age which will become like the next part of our topic mm-hmm. um, and it's I guess it's the introduction to it if we're not taught at an early age mm-hmm. what basic true human needs are what mm-hmm. counts and what doesn't mm-hmm. um, if we're not taught that in a healthy well-bonded way it fucks us up for the rest of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so is there, can we, are we able to surmise that like first part of mm-hmm. like our section one of like, what's the difference between wants and needs? Are we able to summarize that to help our listeners? So that it, there's more than just the basic needs. There's, yeah. there's needs that mm-hmm. there's emotional and spiritual and other needs that need to be met besides just mm-hmm. housing, food, water, shelter, clothes. Yeah. yeah. So there's a whole psychosocial aspect, that, yeah. as yeah. it's called, mm-hmm. um, where humans really do have psychosocial needs. Yeah. And yeah. when they're not met, shit goes awry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Correct. And I, I think that um, the need to be heard, and we talked about that in the validation piece, but also in the need to be held. Um, you know, we all like mm-hmm. long for that, even yeah. if there was scarcity in that. But I think that is a, that would be something that we would long for. We yeah. do need that. Yeah, a human, a human mm-hmm. warmth. There's actually yeah. a study that's done on that where they use a um, young chimp and they put two wireframe mother monkeys, one that mm-hmm. lactates but is wireframe, and the other one that is covered in like fur and like mm-hmm. warm texture. And even if it doesn't lactate and doesn't provide any milk, mm-hmm. the baby chimp will go to the lactating wireframe to feed and mm-hmm. then return to the mother that has nothing to offer except warmth and curdle, like curl in and be cradled by that, um, that wireframe that's covered mm-hmm. in softness yeah. and like mm-hmm. feel that warmth yeah. mm-hmm. versus cuddle up with what's actually providing it the yeah. basic need of food. Right. So yeah. it's just like in the mammal brain, it's, mm. it's, fucking science yeah it's basic yeah agreed so i think our kids are pretty fucking lucky to have enlightened bitches as mamas hey? <laughs> like holy cow yeah. the, the yeah. arguments are gonna get more complex later yeah. but i yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. because she's like 14 and almost as smart as me i'm gonna be like god damn it why did i teach you that so soon be like yeah. well now i don't have control i'm like i'm becoming my mother i'm trying to be a controlling narcissist fuck my life <laughs> i think my kids i think the, i will thank mm-hmm. you because i will um say my, my kid does have it pretty lucky in the sense that I am a parent that will apologize to my child and admit mm. when I'm wrong right. or when yeah. I've been wrong. And I, I think a lot of kids don't get that. Correct. So, yeah. Uh, right. 
Well, um, even just seeing like Claire interacting with your daughter, like I just was like, oh my God, like that is like your vibe. Like I wanted to be part of your tribe. And I didn't <laughs> even, I didn't even know the connection between the two of yeah. you when I saw her at the sushi. Yeah. And I was like, oh, because there's just like that level of like, I want to be on your level. Like you bring out my inner child, like bring it. And I was like, yeah. There she is, and then there she was, and here she is. Okay, so I'm going to give Claire more props, because this week Claire did something super amazing for her kid that totally addresses this. Need versus want. Your kid had a psychosocial need. You were dropping her off at school, and she was having a little bit of meltdown some days, Mm -hmm. and you fucking started searching. You asked the question, how can I make this better for my kid? Mm -hmm. And your kid was displaying a need. Some kids who, like, I'm watching another dad do this with his daughter at my school right now, where he drops her off, and he's trying to buy, buy, and she just, and she's just, like, cowering. And, like, I want to walk up to that dad and tell him what you did. So (laughs) Claire um, found an answer. Um, found a solution to her daughter feeling like she misses you and and her dad while she's at school or while you're partying yeah so what you did was you bought her a bracelet and a necklace because she's a very tactile child Mm -hmm. and because she attaches you notice in her personality so you identified what would help her most yeah and through actually like watching your kid and observing her and knowing her intimately and like having a bond Mm -hmm. and you explained to her that this bracelet and this necklace are you and her dad yeah. being with her at school yeah. whenever she misses you that she yeah. can touch the bracelet and yeah. roll it through her fingers yeah. and think about you guys. Yeah. And I thought that was just like, you met your child's need by identifying something very particular mm-hmm. and something that I find a lot of parents miss and they just think it's, they write it off as a phase yeah. or they write mm-hmm. it off as like, they'll grow out of it or yeah. like they just need to toughen up. It's yeah. like, no, that's bullshit. Like yeah. I agree. So, oh my props to Claire this week for fucking <laughs> yeah. parent, parenting through that. Well, it was that's... funny because then my I was I bought well it, it ended up that when we were buying them there was two, so then it becomes that mm. I wear one and she wears one, and so yeah. mm. then I've got her and she's got me, and it stems from like that kissing hand book, right? So yeah. there's a book called the Kissing Hand, and um, it's a raccoon mom and and I don't even know what what do you call a ra- baby raccoon? Uh, I think it's a kid huh? or a cub. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. Yeah, anyways, the baby raccoon and the mom, and there's, like, mm. when he goes to school, they, like, kiss they kiss each other's hands, and they hold each other's hand, and then it's the love transfers, or, or you can play, place it on your, yeah. on your, the love stays on your hand, it can never be washed off, and you can rub it on your cheek. Or put but, it in your pocket. Right. Or but, hold it to your heart. But, but I know my daughter, she loves that book, but I, the, I, so I was able to explain the principle through the tactile object, whereas my daughter is very, mm-hmm. like Julie just said, it's tactile. So she needs the, like, yeah. the mm-hmm. physical touch of something. Yeah. So I thought of a stone and mm-hmm. then it was like, then we talked, we talked and it was like, well, bracelet. And I was like, well, that's brilliant. It's yeah. not around the neck and all those sorts of things. She's not going to mm-hmm. lose it if it's a stone. <laughs> but yeah, so it's, it's a good thing. But now, and it was funny because I was at work um, and I was i met um i was meeting a client and then her mom showed up for for an appointment and um the mother looks at me and she goes oh do you like unicorns because it's the the necklace (laughs) has a unicorn on it and i was like well funny enough i do but that's not why i'm wearing it and then i explained that i'm wearing it because my daughter is also wearing the same Mm -hmm. necklace and she was having issues with going to school and so we both have the same and then the mom like i could see the mom just like loosened up to me right away right away knowing that this is the reason i'm wearing a necklace is not (laughs) 
so that I'm not I'm not a conniving bitch and I'm not out to hate her daughter and I'm really actually ready to help her daughter. And you're not a giant immature child. You're actually an extremely (laughs) elevated bitch, like enlightened bitch who like treats her daughter like she actually matters. Yeah. 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 But it's funny when you like and um I don't always dress business attire at work. I dress quite casual, but um I often say I don't want to show up in a business suit to someone's tent. Doesn't, it doesn't really work. So, mm. um, so, um, but yeah, so um, it was interesting to like the whole experience was good. But my daughter did really well this week with uh, kindergarten transfer. So, yeah, yeah, she's doing great. I think that is so beautiful. Um, and if I can just sort of add to like my enlightenment right now, yeah, um, Julia and I, we were out for one of our soul nourishing walks one day. And <laughs> it's such a, I'm going to yeah. use a super on PC term. It's such a gay name, yeah. but I love it. And I it's actually repeat so, it to other people all the time. It's <laughs> like when I do it, people are like, I want to go on a soul nourishing walk. I'm like, no, you got to earn your cake. <laughs> I, love, I love how you told me that you're like not ready to share me yet. You want to introduce me to everyone, but you don't want any of your friends to like know me or have access to me yet because you're not Stop. done having me all to yourself. Charlie, I'm like, so you're all, no, hold the phone. Like, are we recording? Like, does everybody know about your guests? Um, so we were just out for one of our soul nourishing walks. <laughs> and uh, I realized I was really struggling with my parenting and that is not my natural, um, that's not my MO. Like usually I'm like, what's going on? like I'm very like emotionally connected to my son and hyper aware because of the situation and I was using somebody else's narrative I called him an asshole not to him just when I was talking about Julie talking to Julia I was like yeah my little asshole and like I just everything was just like just grating on me and it didn't I wasn't I felt itchy I was like this doesn't work for me and Julia just stopped and she said have you ever thought of his needs and I was like holy shit balls. She stopped me. I was being an imposter. I was using somebody else's narrative that didn't work for me. And she brought me right back to where I should have been before I picked up the gum on my shoe. Yeah. Like it was unbelievable how that just was like a massive pivot and a massive change. And I can see the emotional needs of my son Holden so clearly. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I think that what I grew up in and like the, what he's, what he has to deal with at his dad's. Like I just have this extremely soft heart for him Mm -hmm. and I love what you did. Like Mm -hmm. I thank you. Like, thank you for sharing that. Um, I love getting Claire props for the parenting. She's fucking badass at it. She also like, I also, um, I try not, I don't think I, I don't think I do it in an arrogant way anymore. I think I, I hope, I've started, I'm trying, I'm trying to tell myself I'm being a bit more humble, but to make it clear, Claire's child is more complicated than mine. And I think people, I I get compliments on my parents. That's your story. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. your story. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to admit that. I'm trying to give that, that comment room. Yeah. Um, Cause your child has her own different complications. Yeah. And I, I'm just more accustomed to them, but I, I watch Mm -hmm. you and I, I watch you with you, with your daughter and I just. I look at that and I'm like, I don't think I could handle that. Like, I fucking look at how you handle your parenting sometimes and I'm like, holy shit, you're doing great. (laughs) Because if my kids are, I'd be lost for words. Like, I got mad at my kid for not liking skating the other day. And I'm like, blah, blah, blah. And like, I started coaching her and being like motivational speech talking to her. I'm like, I don't even know what to do with you. She's like, I just don't like it. I just want to do things I want to do. And I'm like, 
I don't even know who you are. Like, I don't, <laughs> are you even my kid? Like, fuck you. I'm like, I'm not, you're going to your dad's. But that's, <laughs> but that's the story when it yeah. comes, I feel like we should almost just do kids first, um, because we're already here. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. um, but that's the story, uh, our kids are, are ourselves. Yeah. They, mm-hmm. they are. Yeah. They're, they're so, they're so osmosis of us that they are us. Well, so, this is the whole genetic, like, yeah. literally yeah. Uh, epigenetics, like, our blueprint lights up their blueprint, yeah. right? So, yeah. so at the end of the day, those things that bother us, those things that we don't like, those things that, um... Upset us, rub us the wrong way, make us, us proud, yeah. all they're, they're all us. They're all us, right? So, yeah. at the end of the day, where you're like, I couldn't handle your kid, and I'm like, I can't handle your kid, and I don't know how I'd do with Holden, but the end of the day, it's because they're not that your kid's not my kid and Holden's not mm-hmm. mine either, right? So yeah. that's why. So where, like, yeah. it's just because yeah. I know I know myself, and that's that's the thing. When you become enlightened enough to know yourself, yeah. you know how to handle your child because yeah. you're yeah. like, this is me. I, w- so I would even how would I want to be handled instead of mm-hmm. handling your child. You know how to enjoy and bond with your child because you know it's better. you. Yeah, it's you. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I do love the real concept of community parenting, though, too, because yeah. I want Holden to be exposed to being around the way that, like, your ecosystem works. And, yeah. like, and in turn, I want you to see, like, you know, what we're doing yeah. and what we're building yeah. because that integration is so important. It's oh, just sure. going it's just going to raise the vibration for the next generation. Oh, for okay. sure. So let's, let's yeah. have a bit of that chat because mm-hmm. especially when it comes to children's needs, like, mm-hmm. they made the comment – it takes a village to raise a child. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's just like it takes multiple people to raise one child. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> you can make that noise. On the, <laughs> I want that noise. And Claire is pouring more wine. I'm trying, trying to muffle the noise behind the trunk. Uh, and it's a good Bordeaux, isn't it? It is a good Bordeaux. Yeah, Thank you very much. Can I at least smell it? <laughs> You're so good at being pregnant. I would have one had a sip. I would have eaten <laughs> yeah. the processed meat. I like you're way better well, at being pregnant than I, I am. You know what? I do have to smell it so the baby gets used to the scent of wine because it's going to France. Yeah, that. Like, yeah it's job. going to France. Yeah, yeah. and we're coming um, with you, by the way. Yeah, by yeah. The, yeah. They, they did. They, yeah. they talk about you being the sister, but am yeah. I also like a mini version of an aunt? Because I might show up in Paris like without you and i still need a place to stay they're super hot and you're really fun so <laughs> i am not yes, i'm not letting you go anywhere around the world without me <laughs> i'm allowed but you're not yet <laughs> you're not a boyfriend you picked dick over me she hasn't yet <laughs> As of yet As like that. i know it's like the woes <laughs> can we get back to the top <laughs> um so we're on the like Kid, this is what wine does. And when Julia's mm. not on the fucking sauce, it's like a so rabbit fire. Yeah, on it's like, like, up, up, up. Back yeah. to the topic, ladies. Uh, <laughs> fucking drill Best sergeant. <laughs> I'm going to start a boot camp here. That'll be my nutrition coaching. <laughs> I'm not nutrition more squat. Yeah. <laughs> and just because I need one more certification, I got certified as a boot camp bitch. Right? Yeah. <laughs> certified yeah. as a C U N T. Oh, you already got that title, yeah, babe. <laughs> Yes. You don't yeah. need to be certified in it. I, I designed that program. Yeah. <laughs> Handed out to other people. No one else has come close to success. Um, so, oh takes up village to raise a child. Yeah, that's where we were at. So one of the things I found in my youth was that my parents were extremely untribal. 
And the mm-hmm. tribe that they connected to was my mom connecting to her four other siblings, mm-hmm. three of which had two or more children. Mm-hmm. So I had 10 cousins growing up, but we were all raised <laughs> with the same fucked up damage. Mm-hmm. So not understanding, like watching my parents never have friends. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't have a blueprint for like how to have my social needs met mm-hmm. um, in like a healthy way. So mm-hmm. not only did I not have, influence of other parents or adults that weren't damaged the same way my own mom was Mm. or my dad um I didn't have access to any other healthy examples of family units like growing up in my family it took me until about 13 or 14 to realize that other like how different my family was Mm. and how bizarre the the internal systems Mm -hmm. of my family relationships were so that was like simply just not having a very basic psychosocial need met of having examples outside of your own home of like the diversity of how relationships can develop yeah um so this and this is the thing this is where so much hidden abuse comes from and hidden neglect and hidden issues and hidden damage yeah and hidden toxicity is when you have clothes on your back and food on your table Mm -hmm. and like my parents never divorced they never fought there was no yelling there was no drinking there was no smoking there was no drugs Mm -hmm. But the needs not being met were affection and validation Mm. and um, examples of healthy language and um, acceptance and Mm. support and conflict resolution. Like all of those learning needs on how to have a healthy bond with someone were absolutely not met. And then my emotional struggle growing up, my mother labeled me as bipolar and like borderline manic depressive. And like I was depressed and I had anxiety and I had like super low self-worth and like right. I was a cutter and then I became an alcoholic and I was a smoker at 14 and like all this bo- and like struggling with failure and struggling with relationships those are all a sign of needs not being met as a child because right. you haven't developed mm-hmm. those psychosocial skill sets right. right so um and yeah they just developed into like borderline psychopathy and mm-hmm. all like ways ways where we start to detach from society to start to detach from playing a proper not a proper but a healthy role mm. right i i wonder mm. sometimes though if that's a general gen gen oh my god i'm i'm not drunk a generation thing so like our parents being of that generation that um baby uh, boomers yeah, yeah that you know ultimately they have to put out a front there's always that like white picket front fence front you know the happy married couple with the like 2.5 kids and like you know like I always wonder where that other half of the kid goes yeah I know right (laughs) (laughs) but I wonder sometimes because I mean I my parents were social but they they never had like close enough friends that were deep so like when like I mean deep enough that they would they were always in our home Mm -hmm. so and it was just family that was always in our home. It's the only family that knew the secret. So yeah, of the dysfunction, just like yours. So um, I wonder. I wonder sometimes if it's, if it's a generational difference. Because like now, I'm not that way with friends. Where friends know my nitty gritty. Friends know more of my nitty gritty than sometimes more than my my actual family does. Like yeah, my brother is more of a surface level person than than general he asked probing questions that he doesn't want the answers to like he doesn't he doesn't want to hear about my relationship with someone that's older than me because it bothers him so but is that like an enlightened bitch lifestyle thing though because like 
there's a lot of people I think nowadays still it's not generational like a lot of people still live in their damage and they connect it in their families and they stay connected to the people who support the damaged lifestyle yeah mm-hmm. I don't think it's generational like I grew up in a home that like like Mike grew pot and it was a revolving door like there was people there all the time and my mom as like simple and you know just the issues she had, she was the anchor. She was like the big bosom that we just crawl into and right. she would snuggle us, but it was so messed up their social circle because it was like, talk about needs and wants. Yeah. There was a need that was being fed by like the drug dealer at the house. Right. 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 And so we had a lot of social interaction, but I think what the exposure did for me, I remember at five years old, leaving my house with like my little strawberry shortcake lunch kit Hmm. and going like, whoa, like I got a secret to hide here. Yeah. And I started putting all that away very, very young. I remember this. And even my siblings, like we talk about it to this day and how, um, you know, there, I don't know if like there definitely was neglect um, and there was kind of like different situations happening all the time within an extremely dysfunctional home. Yeah. But we would go to our dad's house on the weekend right. and he was very like strict and religious and certainly not what I wanted to be, but right. just that little bit of balance of what the exposure was to that different community. Right. And so that talk about it taking a village to raise a child, all of the influence I think that gets deposited into them when they are given like what we are giving them foundationally and yeah. like this home of origin and, yeah. and what, and what you guys are doing. Yeah that is going to take their moral compass and shape their North star like yeah. forever. Yeah. Um, and if I didn't have my mom, I feel like, and she and I, like, she's so dysfunctional to this day. I'm like, mom, I grew out of you at like 10. Like, let's, <laughs> let's be honest. Okay. Like let's totally be honest here. But I think the, the awareness that we have for our child's needs yeah. and wants these days yeah. is like, far more superior than what would have ever crossed our parents' minds. So that's generational though. Yeah. Yeah, I think that is. Yes. But when we're talking about needing the white picket fence and the this and the that, my my family didn't give a fuck about that. Like they, it was like they maybe tried to hide some things, but I feel like I tried to hide it. Maybe if they weren't hiding it, I wanted to hide that. And I, and I was too, like Mm -hmm. I was hiding my mom's alcoholism forever. Like, like even through university like she got worse as I got older Um, yeah I was I didn't know about it when I was younger but um as I got older I knew and I would hide it for sure Mm. like I'd phone ahead before I was leaving high school like I think I even felt like I didn't even have a cell phone in high school but I still managed to like figure out whether she was drunk or not huh yeah so okay so both of those stories bring up two different words for me that are huge these mm. days because we're going to, we all, I love saying this, we're going to Brene Brown this shit. <laughs> um, one is security is the first one I pulled out of some of the stories you were telling Suze. Mm. Um, and that's something we haven't brought up as a, as a child's need. Right. We talk about affection and love and we talk about um, mm-hmm. validation, but we don't, we haven't. <laughs> don't fall over. I am totally. video. <laughs> So Sue's almost nice in a tumble, reaching nice for the wine bottle. Yeah, and she's not drunk either. <laughs> oh, 
not. I can drink far more wine Me than too. this. <laughs> you know, I, um, I, I'm sorry. I'm going to bring up that when a man has to say I am the alpha, it's usually because he's not. So when you're yeah. telling me I'm not drunk, it's usually because I yet. actually yes, yes. <laughs> you're working on it. I have electricity running for me. I'm just really happy right now. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't remember attaching fucking cars like car battery things to your toes. I usually save that for an ex-boyfriend. <laughs> Um, so security security is one of them mm, yeah. and I think mm-hmm. we haven't covered that like kids mm-hmm. ch- children yeah. and people like even yeah. when we become adults we need security consistency mm-hmm. like and and that's not the same as validation or acceptance or anything like that mm-hmm. and then the other one that I heard from your story is and and yours from the hiding is shame yeah mm-hmm. and I yeah. I I interestingly like never had shame around my family's functions, mm. like my family, their activities. It was a deep shame about myself. Right. Like mm. my my parents always like toted the the like A plus lettering, and my brother and like my oldest brother was perfect. My brother Kevin was spotless. Like, mm. and I was just a weird fuck up. Like mm. I was a super black sheep, and all the shame was put on me. Like that I was different and my mom would reinforce mm. it. You know, you're just different from everybody. Every time I was bullied, every time someone stopped wanting to be my friend, other times parents or teachers would make comments to my mom about my behavior being weird. My mom would double down on me. People just don't understand you. You're different. Like, you know, you're not like other people and that this is going to happen a lot. It's always going to be like this for you. And I'm like, cool, great. So if I stop being so weird and stop being so different and try to hide it, I won't have such a hard time socially. And mm-hmm. it just inspired shame for me to continue hiding the way that I was and my personality. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that um, having support is the op- would be the opposite of shame, support and acceptance. Yeah. But yeah. security and yeah. feeling insecure yeah. as a child in your, in your environment. Yeah. Um, which causes so many fucked up problems with kids. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. a lot of, oh, that our friend, our, our mutual friend now, um, Joss, mm-hmm. I loved her her term. She works corrections, and the way they term it in corrections is maladapted behavior. Yeah, maladaption. Mm-hmm. So I always use the word toxic, and it's yeah. kind of over branching and like a little mm-hmm. unhealthy or negative, but yeah. maladapted. Yeah, which is mm-hmm. not there's there's much less negative or positive attributed yeah. to that. It's just maladaptive. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. I see I see that happen into adulthood after kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So is that is it is now a good time to like carry up to the adulthood like what happens when adults don't get their needs met and how are adults needs different from kids are they yeah oh for sure 100 percent, they're different right yeah so why uh because the kids can't speak for themselves Mm. so and that 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 goes on my principle of i was brought up in an alcoholic home I wasn't able to speak for myself. Therefore, my needs were not met. Right. Um, and in a different way than you described earlier, my needs were not met because I didn't know what they were. So I wasn't able to voice them. Right. So therefore, I wasn't getting the needs met because I was brought up in a yin-yang affection relationship. I'll show you affection when I can. When I'm drunk and intoxicated, I can't show you that affection. So right. it's that like yin-yang of emotion. So yeah. I wasn't getting secure bonding secure anything anything yeah. that brought up me to mm-hmm. be what i am and, and consistency <clears throat> yours was entirely inconsistent yeah mm-hmm. right and it's it, an emotional roller coaster and yeah. you never know what you're getting you never know what you're walking home to 
Um, I had, I had a, uh, a father that wasn't an alcoholic, um, but he was her enabler. So I had a really strong attachment to him, but I mean, I lost him at a very young age. So like, not that I didn't lose her much later, but, um, I had, I had an incredibly strong attachment to my father. So in almost an unhealthy way, because my other, the other parent wasn't available. Right. And what, what about you? What, when going from um, your childhood needs either being what was met and not met, and how did that develop later for you? Well, I mean, what comes to mind, like just as a visual, is like a child temper tantrum and like an adult temper tantrum. And my like childhood temper tantrums were internal and external. And I think a lot of people that don't know what experience they're carrying, that they don't know how to unpack that, they don't know how to talk about it. We talk about the work and they don't know how to do the work. It's like it comes out in like the frustration and the anger and like, you know, it's like when their needs aren't met, you see an adult having a temper tantrum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fuck yeah, we do. Right? Like, yeah, we see 100%. that all the time. Oh my, I just saw one, like, last week, and I was like, yeah, that's why I don't want anything more to do with you. When somebody shows you who they are, believe them, right? Yeah. So yeah. I think that there's, um, and if that individual, if I could have been like, hey, like, let's talk about this. Like, there's more here. Yeah. But some people aren't ready to do that. Right. And you know that they will arrive at that one day. Um, for me, I think, like, you know, you talk about how, like, our children really truly are, like, the reflection of us. Yeah. And we want to give them that what we didn't have. So it's that scarcity and that abundance. And we want to give them everything that we needed that we didn't yeah. get. Yeah. So when I think that is... I find that good parents do that. Yeah, I'm talking just us, like yeah, three of us. Yeah, like yeah. I'm like, there's an outside world that yeah. just oh, is. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, but yeah. here's my defense on the outside world because I always have to have one. There's okay. sometimes people are just not ready. And yeah. This is the thing that there are many circumstances in the outside world that make people not unready or mm-hmm. not ready to unbox their shit, to mm-hmm. not partake in their life, to be sh- good. Like they may show up to be sh- shitty parents to us. But they're mm-hmm. showing up still being the best parent they can be. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's a good point. Because... And there's a variety of reasons why. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I see that in my job. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so really, at the end of the day, like, yeah, anyways, that's just a side note. The other parents, yeah. No, it's true. It's a, And it's not parents. It's people. Yeah. I mm-hmm. see people who have nothing to do with children all yeah. the time yeah. who are not ready to unbox their shit. Yeah. yeah. And it takes a very complex fucking nasa style formula with mm-hmm. a bunch of chip like check marks you need to hit yeah. to recognize to get to a stage where you want to be a better person mm. one and then mm. two can start moving along that path so yeah. you can look it in front of you and be like i know i can be better than this and try and try and try and still just like mm-hmm. not not be able to fucking manage it yeah. and mm. until you start to like I don't know. It's, it's building a foundation. So you start mm-hmm. learning how to like pulling the dirt underneath yourself and sitting on top of it instead of fucking pulling it on top of your head. I like, still go with the 12 step foundation until you hit your own rock bottom. You ain't going anywhere. I, I believe a lot of that as well. Like, yeah. You know, everyone's rock bottom looking different, but yeah. it, like yeah. uh, your own unique personal rock yeah. bottom where you're like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. yeah. And you either die or you learn to thrive. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
Uh, sorry, we were talking about. Um, yeah. Well, I don't even know if I answered the question. I kind of just scrolled there. And, I, then but, we, and then we took it on a whole other yeah, thing. Yeah. We take it, took it away from you. We we were talking about because Claire shared um, like how her needs not being met as a child kind of mm-hmm. started to morph into how needs were either under de- like underdeveloped, underdeveloped in her, yeah. um, mm-hmm. coming into adulthood. Mm-hmm. So as as a child, the needs that you know now weren't yeah. met. How did that start to surface as an adult? Oh so my when goodness. you got into your teenage and like early 20s, yeah. what do you now look back and see came from those particular needs in your childhood not being met into well, adulthood? Yeah, um, there's a lot there. Like all of a sudden it was just like, like, how do I give you this on the timeline from like this to this to this to like sitting here now? But I think I'll just start with, um, you know, we were talking about attachment earlier. I was very, like, anxious. I developed anxiousness where I just wanted to connect with people. I, like, I would do everything. I would just, like, put on this, like, sugar coating. And I would just, like, my needs not being met, I was, like, I want to meet everybody else's needs. Yeah. Oh. I wanted to meet everybody else's needs. I wanted to show up how you expected me to show up. People please do 2.0. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm you. a recovering people pleaser. Excuse me. Yeah. I am like I totally recovering yeah. people pleasers. Yeah. yeah, and and you know what? I'm I'm really thankful for that experience and talk about like yeah, the, me too. the twelve steps of rock bottom. Yeah. I don't know what that is. I'd <laughs> like to hear about those steps. Well, the twelve steps is the AA. The yeah. rock bottom is where you start. Okay, uh, well, sorry, my, it's not an A. It's a program. It's a pro. Twelve sorry. no no twelve oh. steps are like general universal. There's multiple programs built on the twelve steps. Got it. So. So, yes, AA is one of them. Okay. NA is another. Yeah. Al-Anon, Aranon, they're yeah. like mm. Coda, Coda, like anything yeah. you want to desire, there's yeah. a 12-step program for yeah. it. Russell so, Brand took it and made it non-God and put a bunch yeah, of passwords right, in it. Right. Okay, the, yeah. the big word that just flashed in my mind was yeah. codependence. Yeah. I got very codependent. Yeah. And I wanted somebody to just like <laughs> whisk me away and... I didn't realize that the only person that could fulfill that thing I was looking for was me. And yeah. my rock bottom was my marriage dissolving. I left my marriage, you know, um, what is that now? Like three years ago. Oh, and we're all on the same timeline. We're all on the same timeline. <laughs> so I'm sorry, she didn't just like drop in out of nowhere. I didn't just yeah. pluck her off a random vine here. <laughs> She's here by pure design. Grapes of wrath. And like a full-blown like multi-week analysis. <laughs> yeah, no, I've like, been going home and making notes about who you are every single time I come back to totally. our soul nurturing journey walk. <laughs> this is a serendipity or happenstance. <laughs> I manifested the shit out of you. <laughs> <laughs> you shit up as like another hot blonde. Like, <laughs> like, another one. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's why. Wh- whoever the designer of the Stepford Wives is, I'm doing it better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bitch. Yeah. Your turn. Oh fuck. Yeah. Um, my my needs being told that I was either having them already met or that I was crazy or um made to feel wrong or incorrect or um, like there was something wrong with me growing up, um, and not having many of my psychosocial needs met in the home that turned into me becoming an adult who loved to pretend that I didn't have any needs. Right. Mm. So I created a very thick armor. I pushed people away. Anytime someone said that, like, anytime I heard the message through actions, behaviors, or relationships that, they weren't going to 
like offer me either warmth or affection or whatever. Um, I rejected them. And then whenever, whenever someone did offer me those things, I didn't believe them. I continually discredited anyone's attempt to meet my needs. Um, whether it came to a secure relationship or a friendship mm-hmm. or um, any sort of security or consistency, um, affection, validation, it was never good enough. It was never true. It was never real. I never earned it. Like I somehow stumbled upon it um, like accidentally or this, mm-hmm. this person was giving me something that I didn't deserve. They didn't know that I hadn't earned it. So it was a big thing in my house to like earn love. So those needs being um, me not understanding truth and reality and having very mm-hmm. um, like a, a very nefarious construct of of what 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 it looked like to have needs met and being told that either I didn't need those needs needs met or like it was extremely confusing. I was often confused. Nothing. Nothing anyone offered me in a relationship or a tribe or a community or psychosocial anything mm-hmm. uh, ever made sense. It just, I, it was why I was drunk all the time <laughs> and why I had like low self-worth and why I was always working myself to the bone and constantly trying to earn bigger, better, more approval, cr- accreditation for anything. Right. I, right. you know, I, I, no validation was ever enough. No affection or love was ever real enough or enough. No right. connection was was true enough. Right. Because um, I I didn't know, I had no gradient. I had no, uh, no measuring stick. I didn't right. know. I had right. I had just had no idea. Um. Yeah. And so as an adult, yep, it's just addiction, alcoholic, self hate, like mm. tons of it. And what? Where did your enlightenment come from? Um giving having a child of my own and looking at my relationship with my mother and realizing that I did not want to have the same relationship with my daughter that I had with my mother so and like it it like mine was a slow burn I hit rock bottom a couple different ways a few different times Mm. um and I think I kind of had to like hit rock bottom a few times (laughs) in order Mm. to figure out do you think you hit rock bottom a few times or do you think you hit rock bottom one time like you thought you hit a bottom but you didn't then you hit another one you thought you did and then like you really hit a bottom um like when you say you hit a rock bottom a few times where you were able to obviously climb from those a few times so was it truly your rock bottom uh no and you know what i think maybe a true rock bottom could have been the day that I I was like screaming in my house like after I had separated from my ex and was like <laughs> the, the cat wanted to interject um yeah. screaming that like I can't I can't be this person anymore I can't do this mm-hmm. like I actually had a friend over and I was yelling at them I was like I can't I can't do this anymore I can't mm-hmm. keep failing I can't keep fucking up I can't keep not figuring this out mm-hmm. and I could I could see that I was fucked up. I could see I had bad habits. I could see I was an alcoholic. I could see I had disordered eating. Like I could see all of my problems mm-hmm. getting in the way of me having a good, positive, healthy life. Mm-hmm. And I like, I literally just hit the bottom and was like, I, I can't, I cannot do this anymore. I cannot keep 
sinking any lower. I need to, I need to stop. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that happened a long time after trying to have a better relationship with my mom, um, mm-hmm. trying mm-hmm. to cut out my mom and then mm-hmm. trying to figure out what damage that I had gotten, that I had acquired from that. Mm-hmm. And then reading all the information about how much damage I had that I identified with. Mm-hmm. And then that dragged me really to the bottom, like to fully understand how much complicated psychology was behind how fucked up my life was and how right. fucked up I lived. Right. And um, yeah, how fucked up that damage made me. And I just, that's, that's where I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And I can't live in the world of believing that I'm damaged forever. Right. That like all this literature that tells me that um, I'm going to have all these problems and it's going to take me years and years and years to heal. I, I can't. I can't. No. I'm just not going to. That's a, I see, so I always challenge that because that's your thing on like recovery. I'm never going to, I don't want to be walk a path of recovery for the rest of my life. That's <laughs> your story that you tell yourself about the what is being, it's the way, it's the way you read the literature. Uh, Yeah. It's the literal, it's the literal way you read it. Like, yeah. so, cause I have this, I have that all the time when I meet with clients, I don't want to have to be in recovery forever. I'm like, but that's not, that's not a thing. Like a thing is that like, is it when you learn to ride a bike, like, is it hard at first? Yeah. It's motherfucking hard at first. You fall multiple times. Then you learn to ride the bike. And I'm not, and it's not saying that every so often you're not going to fall off your bike and have an accident, even when you know how to ride a bike, but, but you still are riding the bike. It's the same idea. You, you consistently, or once you learn the skill, you're consistently going to use it. So recovery is a skill. Like you're just, Mm. you're using it. So it's how you want to perceive it. If you want to perceive that it's a lifelong thing and, and you want to perceive it as a jail sentence, then that's how you're going to perceive it. Or you can perceive it as it's a lifelong fucking journey but it doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Why do you so badly want me to acquire your term? I don't know. I've always had an issue with the, like, I've, I've had a giant issue with it in the last few weeks about how we view recovery. And it's just about how we view it differently. Yeah. It's how we view it differently. It's do you a, feel like the way I view it is an insult to the way you live your life? I feel like it's sometimes insulting to the, the job I do. I think is what it comes down to. It's like, because it preaches that like normalcy is better and normalcy is not, what is normalcy? Like really at the end of the day, there isn't a lot of normies in the world. Like everyone's fucked up. Everyone has a story. Everyone has a journey. Every has, everyone has that. So it's like, that's not, that's not an existence. So it's super simplified for me. Like it doesn't get easier. You get stronger. Yeah. Like I think that it is just like, that's so cheese ball. Like, let me just unpack this cheese ball we have in it's, the that's room. Not, but, that's like, not a cheesy no, thing. That that's not a cheesy, cheesy statement. Okay, no, I don't no. believe that's a cheesy no, comment. No, not at all. Okay. But I, I like to me, it's just super simplified yeah. and like you develop tools and Julia, I read your book. I read your book beyond damage and like, we're going to have another podcast about your book. (laughs) I truly believe you've given all the tools because you've lived them. And here's the thing with when we go to, when we have a conversation like this, sometimes we lose ourselves in like what we're actually talking about. You know, all these things, like you've done so much work and you 
it doesn't get easier. You've gotten no. stronger. Yep, so that's correct. I'm, I'm with both of you in yeah. a way, like I'm, there's, there's some tangibles there that, um, when I hear what Claire is challenging you on, I would challenge, I would almost challenge her on the same thing. Well, so, it, she does. She does. Yeah. But it's, yeah. it's the perception. I think it's just, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a projection thing. It's a reason so that I'm, it's the reason I'm angry about it is, is a projection for me. And I've already, like I've been working on it. Yeah. I don't, I don't think we need to go into it on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it, I, when I hear you say it, I'm, I'm sitting here being like, but I don't have a problem with the way you view recovery. Yeah. Like you have every right to, and like, you're, you're also correct. But I hear a few things in there that like, yeah, are, are part, are parts of your story and your projection and the way you want to, um, the way, you know, I think it's, um, attached to some of your like fairness and equality things like about yeah. being a normie, you know, which is a, it's like a kind of a non PC term used in your profession. Like there's normies and then there's people who work recovery or yeah. who understand that they have things to work on. Yeah. And if you're a normie, those are people who are actually, and we've had a bit of a conversation about this. Yeah. Normies are people who just haven't realized they have shit to work on. Yeah. But I also believe that there are people like the, um, uh, what's his face? Tony Robbins of the world and the Zig Ziglar's and the whatever. Yeah. Sure, they've got damage in there somewhere, but they are. I I believe in that there is a level of elevated people who are working beyond. There's like normie in the middle as like an average baseline, yeah. and then there's people below normie or on the other side. Let's put it in a lateral instead of a vertical. Yeah. So a horizontal. There's normies in the middle, and there's a giant gray zone of normies. Yeah. And there's people on one side of normies who are seriously dysfunctional and they're having a very hard time working their recovery journey. Yeah. And yes, recovery from everything and anything as a general activity mm. to recover anything from an injury to a trauma, yeah. to a business failing, yeah. to bankruptcy happens all throughout, no matter what section you fall into, mm. but there's the normie and the one side of normie, which is seriously dysfunctional. And then there's the other side of normie that are high thrivers. Mm -hmm. And yes, they are still working in recovery, but mm -hmm. it's a whole different level of recovery. Yeah. And I believe in that section diversified gradient. Yeah. So yes, I work recovery all my life, but am I in a recovery from dysfunction for the rest of my life? No, I mm -hmm. want to be on the thriving side of normie. Mm -hmm. So you can apply recovery to my shit, but, mm -hmm. um, and yes, I'll agree that I do that, mm -hmm. but I'm recovering from much higher, much complicated skill set in a stronger place. Mm -hmm. You have your hand up. I have Susan. my hand up. I like my cheeks are getting red because I just like feel like this no, is so please. important. Yeah. As the resiliency officer, I'm Fuck gonna yeah. I'm gonna weigh in on this <laughs> because I think that like we are so resilient as humans. We are designed to do hard things. Yeah. Everybody's journey is different, mm -hmm. and I don't think that there is any generalization or any compartmentalization that can actually be taken on here. I've spoken with so many people in my life, and this is another one of those conversations where we all have a different story, but you know what? The, the beauty of like what, what we see in each other is sometimes you don't see that in you. Like we see different things. Yeah. You see oh, different sure. things in yeah. me. I see different yeah. things in you. And yeah. that is the beauty of sharing. Yeah. And that right now is just like the poignant, thing 
as to why I feel so blessed that you invited me here tonight because Aww. I just get to be <laughs> I, I'm just a witness yeah. I'm just a witness and oh, I'm living co- life no I'm correcting you are a participant here tonight okay but I feel like I distracted this is a whole our argument from wants versus needs because this is a Claire projects something onto someone else so Claire wants but she sure, certainly doesn't fucking but need I feel like, but I feel like Julia, Julia's like that I needed to say something to you about resiliency too at yeah. the same time. Yeah. So that's that needing yeah. to be heard. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And it starts very young with kids. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For sure. This is awesome. So we're just about to hit the hour mark, which is great. So we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, so we've gone through what wants versus needs are, and we've clarified what needs actually are as humans yeah. and mammals. And then what that looks like in children and then what that looks like when they aren't met as children and how that turns into our adult identities and Mm -hmm. part of our behaviors and our, our damage Mm -hmm. when our needs aren't met as children, what that turns into as adults. And we shared a bit of our own stories. And so, uh, and then we started talking about resiliency and we're, and recovery. Right. So after the break, we're going to talk about the tools that each of us have found and what we understand now is how to get our needs met. Mm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, so we're going to take a quick break. And we are back after a kind of long break, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and we like finished most of the chips. Yeah. Which are going back on the floor so no one crunches them over the mic. <laughs> <laughs> and then like. Do we need to grab another mic. bottle of wine for the table? Have uh, you guys only shared one bottle? We've only shared yeah. one bottle. Someone go get another. I'm not yeah. even drinking yeah. and I'm just right. drinking. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So, I was like, I wasn't sure. Like, I'm like, well, I can stop. Are you trying to be like modest in front I of the guest? That's They're all of us schmacky schmack. You don't gotta be modest in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> I would have put all the bottles on the table if I was allowed. Yeah, you would have. I would have. You would have. Like, what the fuck are the other two bottles? Yeah. You know, the counter in there. You also would have critiqued all of my choices, probably. I would. You probably would have critiqued I the bottles. Yeah, I she would have commented actually. on the back notes, the front notes, the middle notes, and like <laughs> what country they were from. I'm a. I'm a Wine. She's a wine snob. Yes, that's correct. Okay, well, we're yeah. gonna talk about that on the next podcast. Yeah, being a wine snob. Mm-hmm. No, we're not yeah. allowed to have the wine snob conversation until I'm allowed to drink, drink wine, and then you. I'll fill your glass. Yeah, what is that? The swish and wash. What yeah, swish it? and wash. Yeah. yeah, I clear the glass. Man. Yeah. I like the note of deliciousness. <laughs> no, it's not all about that. That's not what it is. No. It's, it's yeah, clear your glass of the yeah, other yeah. wine, and then I'll fill it with the real. <laughs> <laughs> okay if anyone, all right. if anyone hasn't Hail understood army. the process when you have the last little bit of wine <laughs> in the bottom of your wine glass from the previous bottle mm-hmm. you open the new bottle and dump a little bit of the new stuff in there and swirl it around to clear out the old Cheers. previous wine in there you Cheers. chug that and then cheers me the wine and flowers got brought over because of my fucking yeah. celebration here oh, yeah my <laughs> yeah. job yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so we were, I, I finished explaining the wine thing. Okay, right. so we're back on track for, um, tools, tools. What, yeah. what are the tools that each of us developed in order to start correcting our damage from having our needs not met as children, having that developed into really dysfunctional ways of attempting to have our needs met as adults. So, Can, you, yeah. yeah, yeah, I feel like mine's been a journey. 
Um, As all of us. Mine didn't, like, one stop at a train station. Like, I didn't get off the Hogwarts Express and be like, I'm here. (laughs) Wouldn't that be easy, though? Well, the fucking Dementors certainly made it hard. (laughs) Follow me everywhere. I kind of wish I still have the fairy wand. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, this is amazing. (laughs) Yes. Sorts of like, yeah. just, it wasn't the one, it was it the sum. <laughs> 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 
seeking had like I had to stop because there there's there, like the outward world can't fulfill any of my needs mm-hmm. so so for me it was a big shift I had to reach a rock bottom and start a journey and like and then realize that it was me that had to fill a lot of my own needs and yeah. um and that's when I started to heal was when I realized that shift Mm-hmm. and um and and which needs like the psycho the psychosocial needs so you I, I, i'm i'm I, I think under the for, view of for, you for me the biggest thing for me was learning how to identify what is my need oh yeah. yeah so so that's the thing where i said internal i had to literally start at basic square zero where do you feel that what do you mean like i had to start there like feeling feelings like yeah. like internal like basic level shit yeah um to like actually grow I, I had to start at square one and just like mm-hmm. internal square one and can we talk about a tool that you you helped someone helped me with you and Leslie um helped me identify a tool because I have a client who like has a limit of like 10 feelings maybe five mm. and so there's ways to start developing how do I identify your feelings? And a bunch of it is knowing the words, right? right? Did you go through any of that? Um, a lot of my counseling and a lot of my stuff was where do you feel that? And right. so it was like a literal, literal, like where into your, in your body do you feel that? Like if I was like, I'm just so angry and it's like, well, where do you feel that anger? And if I'm just so frustrated or if I just like, even just love, like, where do you feel love? Like, where do you feel happiness? Where do you feel sadness? Where do you, where do you feel that? And so for me, it was like identifying the connection between the word and the actual internal process of it. Where, well, did you find feelings in different parts of your body? I mean, I feel like that's almost like I should be way beyond that. Like I should know, but I feel um, like a ton of my feelings are all in like my heart and my chest and <coughs> I, guess, I guess my shoulders and my neck. <laughs> Well, I think more feelings radiate larger portions of your body. Like okay. some of it goes all the way into your head. Like I yeah. feel like I think I felt anger. It would go all the way into my head. Like it would start chest, but it would go into the head. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's like, but for me, a big drive was that I was so disconnected from internal to external that mm. I needed a connection. Yeah. And so for me to have that connection that, oh wait, there's actual like internal external connection made a huge difference for me in the grand scheme of things. And then what was the next step for you to go from <coughs> feelings, helping you identify your needs? So like when well, people feel lonely, you have a need. When people feel angry, you have a need, right? Like there's... Becoming more in tune with my internal, external connection mm-hmm. led me to have a different dialogue, ultimately. Okay. <coughs> a Fuck different man, story. Get over the COVID. Well, you guys broadcast. had me like in tears and then I was eating chips and yeah. Man, let me have COVID, Okay. okay. 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna find an acronym for COVID, <laughs> like chips and like something else and vernacular chips and whatever. Or vino mm-hmm. in <laughs> the uh, house. In the chip, house. Chips or vino undigested. Undigested. <laughs> in the throat. In the throat. Um, but yeah, so I think for me, the biggest part of my journey was just like the attunement to myself, and then attunement to myself allowed me to voice my concerns, fix my projections, fix my big people pleasing, like attunement to myself allowed reflection, which allowed me to realize what was bothering me, which allowed me to start working from there. Um, That sounds like a really nice step-by-step formula Mm -hmm. to be able to explain that way, especially for listeners who are Mm -hmm. like constantly feeling like their needs aren't met Mm -hmm. to like go through your feelings. What do your feelings mean? It's like what externally is making you feel those, yeah. and like what, like what do you, what do you feel you need to respond to those feelings and to that exterior environment that's provoking those feelings or internal well, environment? A lot of it came from me being so. A lot of my like rock bottom came from me being incredibly disconnected from the person I showed everyone else. So mm-hmm. mine was like my parents. Mine was I showed everyone this like amazing person. And behind the scenes, I was this self-deprecating person that hated themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. So when I hit my rock bottom, I hated myself. Like, yeah. through and through. Not to the point that I was wanting to actually kill myself, but pretty close, ultimately. Like, yeah. I really hated mm-hmm. myself. So, and I, I didn't, I was totally disconnected. And so for me to start actually feeling feelings allowed me to connect to that person that I was portraying. Because mm-hmm. I liked the person I was portraying. Like, I liked a lot of her qualities. Yeah. So, for me to actually feel connected to that person gave me strength back again and allowed me to realize that I can be that person I'm portraying. Right. That there's not, there was a a ton of falsity to that person. There's a lot of, a lot of me, the positive of me was in that person that I was portraying to the world. But I didn't feel it. I didn't feel connected to her. Yeah, so, it's a little bit of, like, imposter syndrome yeah. for some people. Like, mm-hmm. we we want to be a certain person, and we feel like we're not the yeah. person that we show up as, yeah. even though that's parts, that's a part of ourself. Yeah. There's, there's no way to act like someone that you don't have qualities of. Yeah, but I felt like mm-hmm. I was yeah. literally a separate person from that person. Yeah. And so only through identifying, like, a true connection to my own self, even whatever I was at, then I could actually start identifying things in the person I'm showing up as. And I was like, I am that person. And then I started going into like, what do I want this person to be? Like, who do I want myself to be? And I went to a want, like I went to like, what do I want? Like, what are things I want to do? What are things I want with my life? What are things that I want? Like, so I went from needs, like I, I guess I accomplished basic needs by re-identifying myself. And then I went to wants, like, I want to travel the world. I want to see more things. I want to hike. I want to explore. I, I like, and then I went to wants. Are, so I grew through that too. Do you think that wants are a little bit of an extrapolation of our needs? Like, like an, um, I guess do human, do humans have a need to grow? And then, so to want to travel, to want to. Not everyone does. We've had right. this discussion multiple yeah. times about yeah. like our ex-husbands who are content to be. Right. Yeah. Not so, everyone wants to be more or bigger or better or anything mindset versus fixed mindset yeah that's not it's not a need yeah Yeah. so I think I think that the thing for me the tools that I developed were literally just through 
shoving back into myself. Yeah. And then I could, and that, but that was that disconnect. That was what I was brought up in. It was brought up in this huge disconnect. And I just was role modeling it through. And one of the biggest things that drove me to one of my rock bottoms was watching my mother come out of me in my parenting. And I was like, well, well, I don't want to do this. (laughs) I don't want to be her. I've never wanted to be her mother. And then to like really start to to grow beyond that is a big thing for me. So, And how, where did you find the difference or like, how did you come upon, what was your response to recognizing the difference between like that other people aren't responsible for meeting our needs because that's a huge one with adults that go through a growth state to recognize that we we meet our it's our responsibility to meet our own needs and I the comment I was going to make earlier was like you you are someone that I in my story of you um the identity I I I hold for you in my brain is someone who's able to meet your financial needs your clothing your shelter your like that's and food on your plate like that's not something that you've really ever worried about. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, and I, and I see that in you because it's, it's a, um, like a reflection or like on me because I've struggled to keep a roof over my head and put food on my plate. And so right. those are basic needs that I've struggled to answer mm-hmm. for myself Whereas And then psychosocial needs on top of the actual like survival based needs right. have become extremely warped. Right. So what, like, can you speak to that a little Um, bit for yourself? Well, I think I go back to, like, money is a philosophy we learn from our parents. Yeah. So um, for this, you're right. I've I've actually never struggled to put food on my plate or a roof over my head or clothes on my back. I've never actually struggled for that. Yeah. But I've, I've had massive quantities of debt. Mm. Where I literally felt like I was up to my eyeballs or over my head. Right. So, um, so I've literally never felt like I was struggling, but I've literally owed like $75,000 at one point in time. Wow. Okay. So, um, I think it's a matter of like what we're used to. My parents were never like affluent in money, but they had, they had consumer debt that was through their yinging and that 75,000 yeah. wasn't consumer debt. That was a lot of my education too. Yeah. <clears throat> but I was brought up, brought up in a household that like money wasn't a like it was that wasn't a big deal right so like to owe like $75,000 my dad was like well you're you're earning x amount of dollars you can pay that off right but the the relationship between always being able to meet that for yourself or at least designing your life so that those are comfortably met but Versus, that's just it. Like I designed that. I got right. an education that met that seventy-five thousand dollar debt load. I guess ultimately, right. right? Like, I'm I'm not saying that I haven't ultimately struggled, but I've like always yeah. designed my life to not. I like those aren't those are things yeah. that I'm just like, I'll figure it out. I'll work more. I'll do this. I'll do that. Like I yeah. just like those always... were easy needs to meet. Yeah, for yourself. Yeah. Whereas that's not the case for every adult. Yeah. And I'm wondering the relationship between adults that struggle with both psychosocial and, um, like, I would say physical Mm -hmm. uh, or physical economic needs. Uh, Is that, how would we term that? Like, food, shelter, yeah, that's that's economic needs. Yeah, those are economical needs. Yeah. And then Mm -hmm. psychosocial needs. And then psychosocial needs. So like the effect that that has, because I know 
when I've gone through extreme like economic struggle where I I know I will always pay rent and I know I will always have a roof over my head that I've been able to accomplish that myself mm. whereas I will severely struggle through the food I put on my table or the gas I can put in my car mm. and I was raised in a house where no one talked about money mm. like it was not spoken about mm. and I started making my own money at 14 because mm. money wasn't talked about except that we didn't have money for certain things right um and a lot of that was actually, there was always crap food on the table, but there was always like the fridges and cupboards were always full and the, mm. there was never a worry about losing the house or anything like that. We always, but like the cars were always being, having to be fixed or junked or whatever. Mm. Um, like we, we pinched, but nobody talked about it. Um, so I always made sure there was money for rent. I had to discover a lot of my own financial, um, financial, I don't know swab I guess mm. but I constantly struggled even though I was highly frugal and very budgeted but it affected my ability to have my psychosocial needs met so I wouldn't socially engage if I didn't have enough money in the bank that I felt safe leaving the house right or um, I wouldn't be able to go visit friends with my vehicle or I'd be ashamed to ask people to come to me if I didn't want to drive my car to like right you know, also, and like being able to provide for my child so that she had, um, social interactions that cost money. Like those, those types of things, my psychosocial needs became limited due to the, and like inviting people over for dinner or going on a date. If I was worried that I'd have to go Dutch or, and shame and security in myself, like feeling psychosocial insecurity due to my economic, um, limitations. So yeah, those became big things. The opposite thinking pattern around that. Like I just, yeah. I, I put it on a credit card. Like I, I honestly just like, and I still to this day don't care. It doesn't bother <laughs> me. Like I, I think I, I literally uttered to you tonight. I'm like, I'm okay owing a few thousand dollars. It doesn't bother me. Yeah. Whereas I'm like, there's like a hundred dollars spent into my credit card and I need to pay it off with my next check. Yeah. I'm like, mm -hmm. unacceptable. <laughs> yeah, like I have absolutely no problem with it. So I think that's that's just part of my yeah. my story. But um, so I guess ultimately to your question, I can't speak to it. Um, right. But I think just for me, the biggest thing was basics that set me on my path. Of, yeah. Like, so yeah. my tools were like looking at myself, and I think that comes from being raised in an alcoholic home. You like when you've got that strong disconnect with yourself because you've had to be in survival for so long that survival lasts only so long. So then mm. you have to go to, like, you have to learn how to function not in a survival mode. Yeah. And yeah, so that's a big thing. That, was, that was my journey, was learning yeah. how to. And it started with identifying my feelings and, like, literally square one, re-identifying myself. So. Yeah. And, and Suze, what about you? I'm, I'm starting to see, yeah. like, a really cool trifecta here of, like, you – didn't know how to identify needs being young, having them not met. Yeah. And then it sounded from your story that mm -hmm. you knew they weren't being met. And mm -hmm. so you went out looking for other people to meet your needs as mm -hmm. you became an adult. And my background story was that I was told mine weren't real. So I denied having needs. Mm -hmm. So like all of us have a different story. I'm really interested to hear what your story is, Suze. Yeah. And the addition to what you just said about my story is that I wanted to meet everybody else's needs too. Oh, yeah. So I was giving out more than I was getting, I think, like as a child. But So um, what, what were the tools specifically that you watched yourself develop to overcome the exact like needs 
needs, issues that you? Well, you know what? It's um, really hard for me to identify that at like the really younger version of me. Yeah. But what I can speak to of like the adult version of me, if I'm an adult yet, <laughs> um, is that I realized everything was showing up for me as assignments. Like everything was like, this is showing up for you because you need to work on this. And mm. this is happening in your life, not from a negative everything can be from a positive. And so when I really kind of like shifted that whole mentality and I was like, okay, like my, I'm seeing that maybe my needs and the person that I am actually like having dialogue with, both of our needs aren't being met. So like, what's going to happen here? I'm going to extract from it, like what I, what I need and what do I want? Like, I want to take the message from like what's actually being presented to me. And I'm not sure if I'm, if I'm answering it, but like my survival mode that I endured for many, many, many years of my life came from sugarcoating. It came from just being, I thought it was like, okay. And in fact, this is interesting. I just had a total memory as we do during the podcast. Yeah. Um, when I came, when I left my marriage in 2018 um, and my therapy started and I had to identify what my strengths were. And I was like, I'm really good at putting on a mask and just pretending everything's okay. Mm -hmm. I have my own writing in that. I have my own documentation of that. And to me, that is su like, it became clear to me that that was a weakness a week after I read that. And sometimes when we write something down, it really stares back at us yeah. and it's like, whoa, like that is just, that's the, it's crazy to me to think that because I've come so far in the journey, yeah. you know, as you talk of Claire, that, um, there's no point of return for me with the tools that I've gathered. Um, and another tool is my need is to be heard and I know everybody else's need is to be heard. So one of my biggest tools is listening, yeah. listening to what is around and listening yeah. to how I can adapt that to my life. Like we're lifelong learners. And if we don't see that, then we're in our own way. Yeah. So, um, where can I ask, where did you, I, where did you come up with or find or get the tool of turning situations into assignments? Um, you know what, it was, it was a really dear friend of mine that looked at me and just said, like, after I'd left my marriage and, and, and I always knew this, but like, that's the thing about unbecoming too, right? Is that like, we get all these layers of like what we think we need to do. Um, and is that like out of necessity at the time? That's not desire. We mm -hmm. don't desire to layer all this stuff on us. Um, and she brought me back to my purpose of joy and said, okay, like, and I know that that is one of my gifts in life is yeah. to spread joy. Like, and I really, really feel that and to help people unveil like what's there. And the assignment was that I was finding that for everybody else, but I wasn't finding it for myself. Mm. So, she, so she pointed that particular yeah. thing out. So you started to like use that tool in multiple places. Everything that I was a professional at on the outside, I wasn't doing inside. Yeah. <laughs> That's common. Yeah. Very, is that common? Isn't that common? Yeah. yeah. But like, yeah. where is like our stop and like the world stop spinning moment? Like, where is that? Like, oh my God. Yeah. Like this actually just 
became like everything just got splattered on the wall yeah Yeah. it was that moment it was that talk yeah it was in my office she was a colleague of mine and I hired her I hired her as my assistant Mm -hmm. in my previous job and she just saw things in me that just were like and it was so matriarchal it was so uh, like a friendship it was just the world stopped and our eyes were glued and my heart was so wide open right it was really powerful Mm -hmm. I definitely hear a similarity in those stories where like you guys both had like had someone else in your in your unit that helped you through either realizing or developing a tool yeah I I saw it. it's funny because I couldn't identify it myself, but I ultimately found tools through other people. Yeah. Mm. So, like, what leads us there? Like, when we is that rock bottom where we start asking questions? Like, I can't be here anymore. What do I do? Yeah, How do have, I get out? It, yeah. It's why we have to share. It's why sharing is so yeah. fucking important. Yeah. And yeah. like, yeah. we when we internalize and mm. we don't share our pain, we are only like there's so much value in sharing what we're going through and I'm gonna get and I'm sorry I'm really gonna really struggle from being emotional right now because this has been my biggest work and and the person that really spotlighted that for me like will be like just a cherished really valuable being in my life and it was like everything happens in a very divine timing yeah and everything changes yeah the well you've said it numerous times do not isolate yeah do not not. isolate and so and so a big thing well not so for me isolating was never a problem like I was never an isolator but I internally isolated I put out the facade so I still show up but I wasn't I wasn't showing up as me yeah and so what I learned in this journey is now I show up as me like I don't have an external facade I mean, I don't believe that everyone needs to know my bullshit. So I still, I think we all need to have that like slight mm-hmm. buffer of a facade. But to my genuine people that are in my circle, mm-hmm. I'm not a facade. I'm going to mm-hmm. show up vulnerable. I'm going to show up weak. I'm going to show up like in a shitty mood. Dysregulated. Dysregulated. That's, that's like a favorite yeah. fucking word. Yeah. Dysregulated. So yeah. I'm going to show up that way and I'm not going to put a facade on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to show up at work. I'm going to tell people I don't feel good or like whatever. Like I, yeah. I'm showing up to people that are in my life on a regular basis. I'm going to mm-hmm. show up as me. Yeah. But, and that's, and that's what we should be doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. There, you, you mentioned like a bunch of the tools that, that are exactly what I use. Yeah. Um, the, can I? Yeah. 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 Um, the, wait, we're just going to. Um, a, bu- a bunch of the tools um, that you just mentioned were ones that I developed to deal with all of my fucking needs. Oh, get over yourself. Uh, the cat's having a bit of a fit. Yeah. Um, I so through through my tool building for dealing with my needs, one one of the ones you mentioned was being vulnerable. Another one was not isolating. Another one was like showing up just as I am, which is ho- totally in the vulnerability spectrum, uh, or it is the vulnerability spectrum. And those are things that I, I really had to constantly work on because my biggest damage was denying that I had needs. So I don't, I don't need like, like I can, I can handle what I, what I'm, what I have access to. I will right. live off of that. I'm like, I will survive in the bare minimum, whether it right. came to economic needs of like money and food and clothes. I'm like, I will make it work. I will right. second hand. I will take handouts mm-hmm. and like whatever the fuck. 
And then my social needs, I'm like, I don't need anybody. I'll deal with this on my own. Um, I don't like, I don't have the right to be sad. I don't have the right to be depressed, like all of that stuff and not knowing where to put my anger. Um, so a lot of that turned out in blame and tons of that. Um, I had to one, learn a lot of forgiveness. Forgiveness is like toted as the biggest tool. I still even struggle with, um, like figuring out what and who to forgive. And I know a lot of it needs to be myself and a lot of people that I blame for my pain and trauma and damage. Um, So learning how to have, how to get my needs met was a lot of not making other people responsible for anything. Right. Um, Especially um, managing my expectations Mm -hmm. was a huge tool. Right. So not expecting anything of anyone unless they had agreed to my vocalized expectation. Mm-hmm. So I, if I request or if I tell someone I would like this need met by you, um, is the cat attacking you? Oh, she's really intrigued by me. Licking oh. me, putting her whiskers on my ankles, <laughs> okay. tickling me. Yeah. What's happening? Do you have a cat? Mm-mm. Oh. I don't have any animals. I have Holden. All right, this cat's fucking interrupting our podcast. Oh, yeah. like, go outside or in the litter box or at the door. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the the one of the major ones was not placing blame on others for not mm-hmm. meeting my needs mm-hmm. and releasing other people of the responsibility mm-hmm. that, especially of unspoken expectations. Mm-hmm. So, like, a boyfriend, a friend, a partner, a family member, and, like assigning Mm. people being responsible for meeting my needs I needed Mm. to kind of release every one of that yeah and then to start understanding where expectations could and like should and shouldn't be made Mm -hmm. and it's kind of the only place I would ever really use that should word because it's it's about me Mm. um if I'm if I'm letting someone know that I have a need Mm -hmm. I had to really organize my my mind management and my thought process around that I had to do a lot Mm -hmm. of thought work around um expressing that I had a need and being okay if someone couldn't meet it. Yeah. And that was so dealing with being able to deal with rejection or dealing with someone who didn't have the capacity to show up and accepting that as a reality, that that was their choice to meet my need or not. Right. Um, And that also presenting people with the opportunity. There's Mm -hmm. tons of people in our lives that it was part of being vulnerable, recognizing that there's people around who do love me, who do want to meet my needs, mm-hmm. who I don't need to isolate from, who I can show up and be vulnerable with. And they want to meet needs that I have, mm-hmm. but they can't unless I, one, am able to identify them for myself and two, communicate them in a healthy way. So learning all of that work was layer by layer, by effort, oh. by effort. Mm-hmm. And tons of times I fucked it up. Mm-hmm. And I had to practice. It's actually a skill you need to build and a tool you need to use time and time again until you become proficient at using that tool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which was a huge struggle. And especially with someone who was denying that I had psychosocial needs um, and denying that I could um, answer my needs in a better way economically, that I mm-hmm. deserve to have those needs answered better. Um, mm-hmm. was me putting in the work. Right. Like, I'm allowed to earn more money. I'm allowed to mm-hmm. want to make more money. I'm allowed to 
do nice things for myself. I'm allowed to spend the money I make any way that I want. I don't always have to be so frugal and so responsible. I have economic needs of comfort mm-hmm. or maybe I don't. I have economic needs of feeling secure. Mm-hmm. That's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, and not letting that limit, especially not let, letting my economic needs um, contour whether or not I should be able to go get my so my social mm-hmm. my psychosocial needs met. Right. So not having my economic needs be a barrier mm-hmm. to express that I feel sad or I I need I would like a friend. I need right. comfort. I need security. I need mm-hmm. um I need praise. I need validation. Mm-hmm. I need I need help. Um, right. And all sorts of things like that. So to not have that prevent me from expressing or putting out a request you're almost putting out a bid right Mm -hmm. to be open and be vulnerable with that so a lot of like using your your tools players being able to identify and know how to do it in a healthy way Mm -hmm. um and then also you know having respect for myself just like you Suze, like you Mm -hmm. learning to um respect and honor that you Mm -hmm. have needs that do deserve to be met Mm -hmm. and so I was kind of like to both those sides mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um and being vulnerable and not isolating were huge things for me yeah and like I said they they were skills that needed to be built mm-hmm. I I had to identify what they were I had to compartmentalize them like that's my brain I needed to be very analytical and logical and I needed to like sort them in places I came at it mm-hmm. from a very like anti-spiritual place that like led me to being spiritual about it right. I had to start with like what looked like bricks and mortar and like connect it and like Lego pieces. Like I needed to do that right. for it to make sense to me. Right. Cause yeah. I was, I was so anti-emotional at the time. I needed the labels and words and charts right. and graphs and boxes, so to speak. Right. To figure out where to build my tools to, you know, um, get and to understand how to get my needs met. Right. And then it was my responsibility to one of the words you and I, came up with Claire I think is like cultivate right I needed to cultivate my needs being met like I Mm. needed to um needed to design the possibilities Mm -hmm. for people to meet to help me get my needs met yeah but it was no one's responsibility but mine yeah and that was that was a hard understanding right for sure so Mm -hmm. yeah is that, is, that, is that the silence in the room? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think there's like, there's so many tools and everything that was just said. Um, and I think the most important thing at the end of the day is to like, regardless of like what all of our journeys have looked like, yeah. regardless of what we've been through, is giving ourselves that reverence back to like yeah. who we are yeah. because yeah. we've come through so many storms. Yeah. We have weathered everything and now we're together. Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's extremely important to really celebrate where you're at in each of those milestones. Yeah. 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 That's um, a need. Mm-hmm. Celebrating oneself. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. Social need. Well, yeah. that's, that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> I, and yeah. yeah and like, can, we, can we cheers it for cheers. last sip? Yeah, cheers. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Is that another fuck yeah episode of yeah. hashtag enlightened bitches? Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a total hell yeah fuck yeah. We're at things. almost an hour and 40 minutes, I think. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. Wow. It's, it's worth the discussion. It's worth, we spent yeah. 
three to four minutes of it laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and another 30 seconds. Yeah. Totally. Well, uh, I want to thank our listeners for joining us for this long. You always thank them for joining us for so long. If you made it this far, you know, you did a good job. Yeah. Welcome to being a hashtag enlightened bitch then. Yeah. It takes time. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and yes, I want to do an extra thank you for Suze. Yeah. For Thanks joining for us. Joining us. Thank for you for sharing your stories. Thank you for yeah. being vulnerable. Yeah. Thank you for being honest and raw. Yeah. So thank good. you for having me. Like, thank you for including me. And um, like, I learned so much tonight. I mean, I, we always learn from sharing. Totally. I, I for think, sure. I think it's important to continue to do that. Crack it open. Google gobble, Google gobble, one of us, one of us. <laughs> Google gobble, Google gobble. Oh. Shut up! Shut up! I'm not one of you freaks! <laughs> that was a good movie, that one. Oh. Okay, so right. this has been another episode of Hashtag Enlightened Bitches. Over and out. Good night. Good night.